Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, folks, day nine of Roland Garros 2022 is in the books and our quarterfinal lineups are set and there are one or two surprises in there. And while we always expect some surprises, we didn't expect these surprises, did we? And of course, that is what makes them surprises, but they are nonetheless surprising surprises, David. Yeah. They are. <laughs> I can follow that. <laughs> no, they are. I mean, they're, they're really surprising. I did not expect what happened this afternoon, this evening to happen with Sitsabas and Medvedev. I, I, I really would have been properly shocked had you told me that was going to happen. I think what I mean is something along the lines of, I did not have Daniil Medvedev in my pre-tournament quarterfinal lineup. And yet I really, really, really didn't expect him to lose to Marin Cilic tonight, especially not lose in the manner that he did, very, very one-sidedly. We now have a situation in the bottom half of the men's draw where one of Holger Rune, Kasper Ruud, Andrei Rublev and Marin Cilic will be a French Open finalist. Who saw that coming? Not me. The difference in pedigree particularly clay court pedigree between the top half of the men's draw and the bottom half of the men's draw is pretty staggering i don't think runa rude rublev or chilich any of them have ever won a big title on clay certainly not a grand slam certainly not a masters 1000 event and in the top half you've got you know, players who've who've won multiple slams on on clay, multiple Masters events on clay. We've said it all tournament. The bottom half is a land of opportunity, and even more so now that, in particular, Sitsipas has gone out, but also throw Medvedev in there as well. And I agree with you. I think round four for Medvedev honestly feels like quite a good result in the context of his career and the form he came in to this tournament with and having had the operation but it also now feels like a bit of a missed opportunity given given 
the draw that he had and the fact he's lost to Marin Cilic, albeit Marin Cilic playing one of the best matches he's played in years. Well, should we start with that match? I know that Holger Rune defeating Stefanos Tsitsipas is is the biggest shock, the biggest standout result of the day. And of course, we'll talk about it. But we have just watched Marin Cilic blow Daniil Medvedev off the court. Honestly, he said after the match, that was one of the best matches I've ever played. It was one of the best matches I have ever seen him play. And if you'd, you'd said to me... Or if you'd asked me, does Marin Cilic have another, have another run left in him? Another run of significance? Does he have it in him to make himself relevant again? I'd have said, uh, maybe, but probably not. If you'd said to me, will that be on clay at the French Open in 2022? I would have laughed you out of town. And yet he look. I, I've never seen him look so bouncy. He's on his tiptoes the whole time. He looks, he look, you know that video of Kyle Edmund at the Labour Cup in whatever year it was when he had a sort of personality transformation for about eight seconds and there was a clip of him in the locker room ch- ch- like a raging bull going around chest bumping everybody in his sight. It looked like Marin Cilic had had some of that tonight and and look, full disclosure, I'd not seen any of his matches up to this point in the tournament, but by all account, he's looked like that all of all of the tournament. I don't know where this has come from, but of those four names and players, Runa, Rude, Rublev and Cilic, Marin Cilic is playing the best tennis. Well, and he's the one who's won one before. You know, he's he has got the pedigree. Okay, not at this tournament, and that's a long time ago. It's like nearly eight years ago that he did that at the US Open, but... At least we know he has this in him. He smashed Roger Federer off the court to win the US Open along the way. You know, the, the, it's there. It's the Gilles Simon effect. <laughs> Whenever he beats Gilles Simon, he then crushes everyone in his sights for the next oh few rounds God. and wins the slam. Do you know what I've just remembered? That somebody messaged us on, on Instagram after Marin Cilic beat Gilles Simon and said, the only other time that Marin Cilic has beat Gilson when he went on to win that slam, does that now make Marin Cilic the favourite for the tournament? And I... Laughed him out of town. <clears throat> I was somewhat dismissive. Well, I mean, the assumption was when I saw that result that Gilson had run out of gas after his heroics in previous rounds and there was nothing left of him, really. I think that that was misguided. I think he, part of the reason that Gilson got got it handed to him, is because the guy was that good. And tonight, Chilich planted those blue shoes of his on the baseline and he refused to back up at all. He was half volley in winners. Time after time after time, the forehand was so secure and solid. And he was, he, he was as confident before the match as he was during it. That's what really struck me when I listened to that interview clip of his the day before. He was saying a doctor had told him he's got the body of a 25-year-old. And he says, I, I feel really confident. I'm playing really well. And, and me and Russell Fuller in the commentary box listened to this and thought, this does not sound like Marin Cilic at all. He was really <laughs> bullish about his chances. But then he comes out and he, he, he's just lost. He's beaten Dana Medvedev for the loss of seven games. And... I mean, I think Medvedev was his effort was a bit feeble. In all honesty, I was disappointed in in his effort and his attitude. But even so, he was doing his thing. He was scrambling around the baseline behind it, getting them back to a length. 
didn't make any difference. Cilic was just swiping winners. Left, I, thought right he was a, I thought he was a bit shocked by Marin Cilic tonight, actually. Probably, yeah. Daniil Medvedev. Uh, it, it, was, it was blistering from Cilic. Absolutely blistering. I, d- I just don't know where this has come from. Well, the, this doctor, to, I mean, is this doctor available for, and, and by the way, I, I for other up, uplift, uplifting consultations? I, I, went to, I went to Marin Cilic's Mixed Zone interview. You know, they normally have, they either have a big full press conference or they have a little gathering against a backdrop, which is called the Mixed Zone. And, and there, wasn't, there weren't that many people left. There were about 10, 10 people left. And I saw Marin come in. I thought, I want to, there's a question I want to ask him. Because a, a couple of years ago, I really thought he was about to retire. And and I've looked on the way home, I've looked up his results from 2017, 2018, and he was winning sort of basically two and a half matches to one defeat throughout the season. You know, say 45 wins to 20 losses. That was pretty much his record. Sometimes better, sometimes he'd win over 50. And then suddenly in 2019 and 2020, he was winning the same amount as he would lose. He was winning... 20 matches, losing 19. And it was the same both of those years. It's the same this year, 13 wins, 11 losses. But uh, there was a period when he was getting injured, he was getting all these losses, and he, he's become a dad. And I just thought, he's thir- in his 30s, does he re- He doesn't need the money. He's going to retire soon. And I asked him in the, in the mixer, did you consider quitting? And he, and he, he said, not, not really. Not really was his answer, and he gave the reasons why he didn't, but I got the sense that he was really considering it, and obviously there was the pandemic and all the rest of it. Um, but it just adds to your view. I mean, last year was better for him. I think he won 30 matches, lost 20, but it really does go along with what you're saying. Even when he was having those good spells last year, he'd win, win a set and then he'd fade, and, and, and I couldn't have imagined that we would get a performance like this from him ever again. He, he's he's cut down on the ticks before his serve, mm. hasn't he? Which I know it's an extremely rudimentary analysis, but his his performance level has been almost directly proportionate to to the number of ticks that he performs on serve because his game is so built around that serve. And you know, as his mental baggage has accumulated, so has that pre serve routine. And when he starts doing that knee wiggle and the little foot tap, you think, oh my goodness me what's coming here and towards the end of the match the the routine elaborated a bit um but his his standard of play didn't drop all off at all I was I feel I feel ashamed saying this but I was waiting for the Marin Cilic joke quite frankly I was especially when those extra couple of ticks crept into the routine and there wasn't even a hint of it no there wasn't and we were watching the match, Catherine, talking about just how quick Marin Cilic made that court look by how hard he was hitting the ball. And there's going to be a lot of talk about uh, night session conditions. There already has been in this tournament. It's going to ramp up even more over the next 24 hours with, with tomorrow's night session match. And one of the you know points of analysis, I think, will be that it's slower at night and it's not as lively. And I think that is true. But Marin Cilic was playing so well that it didn't matter. He was just hitting through the court. Yeah, 2014 US Open tennis. That's that's the only time I've ever seen Marin Cilic play like that against a top player on a big stage. But you know, it was it was staggeringly good. He he's favourite for me in his quarterfinal against Andre Rublev. Rublev won three today by virtue of of retirement 
from his opponent Yannick Sinner. Yes, he'd he'd won the second set, hadn't he, and he'd fought his way back into it, but he'd lost the first set, and Yannick Sinner was clearly injured with that knee. For me, a, a fit Yannick Sinner would have would have won that match. Under Rublev has not hit the heights this tournament. Chilich is the favourite there. If he plays like tonight, he wins comfortably, I would say. I, I just don't know whether they'll become, whether whether it's repeatable all the way through or not at his age and without us having any recent evidence of it. But it was impossible not to watch tonight and be a believer in his ability to go all the way here. He beat Rublev at the Australian Open, of course, mm. already this year. Oh, I'd forgotten that. I, I was thinking back, didn't he lose to him at Davis Cup or something like that in the final? I can't exactly remember. Could we just row back a moment before we get too far away from that comment, David. Do you mean all the way to the final or, or all the way to the trophy? Oh, um, n- to the final. Yeah, I don't think Marin Cilic wins this tournament. Does no. any Does anyone from this bottom half of the draw win this tournament I, now? I can't see it. I can't see it. Is that it. what's I mean, happened today? It, it's, made, it's made the top half of the draw even more so the the decisive battle. Uh, as long as nobody's injured in the top half when they come through, you know, you might, because that can happen if these guys are extending themselves, but they, they don't tend to get injured. Okay, Nadal gets injuries, but Djokovic doesn't tend to get injuries. Alcaraz is 19. It'd be, it'd be surprising. So I, th- I think, I definitely think that this only adds to their, expe- the expectation that the top half wins this title. Mm-hmm. What about Kasper Ruud? Beat Hubert Hurkacz today. Broke Hubert Hurkacz at will today. This was a guy that hadn't been broken all tournament. The only player that hadn't been broken all tournament. Kasper Ruud is somebody, David, that you have said in the recent past could win a French Open. In fact, I've just remembered we had an email from a lovely listener saying that all the talk about David's prediction is the fact that it was Carlos Alcaraz who he thought would win the French Open. And we'd forgotten, we've neglected the other part of your prediction, which I can't believe I'm saying this, was that he would beat Casper Ruud in the final. I'd forgotten that. <laughs> and it is it's genuinely on. on. <laughs> <laughs> but there was also a time when you made a, a slightly more vague prediction about Casper Ruud possibly sort of sneaking a French Open. Yeah, well, I, did, I mean, I think he is, he is a, 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 a reliable guy. I mean, actually, he's, had, he's not had the clay court season I expected him to, for the most part. But generally speaking, his work ethic's fantastic. His game is so perfectly suited to clay. He's got the, the perfect shape on his forehand plus power. I think he's a really top draw clay court player it's just it's just that there are people from another planet in the other half I asked him about his clay court season generally the other day and why he felt it had taken him a bit of time to build up the form because you know his first few tournaments on the clay were disappointing we were a bit yeah thinking what's going on with Casper Ruud and and he mentioned the fact that the Miami final while most people would have seen that as this great launch pad for him to go on and have a great clay court season. He said it actually set him back a bit. Oh, really? Because it meant he got on the clay much later and he, he, didn't, he wasn't 
you know, he had it was such a big moment for him reaching mm. the Miami final that it just threw off his preparation for the clay. Then he had his wisdom tooth out, as as anyone who saw that on Twitter will never forget. I'm glad I didn't then. Um, <laughs> And just generally, he had a slow start to the season, but it didn't sound like he was too worried about it. And he really has built up his form. And yeah, he's he's taken advantage of, of this French Open draw so far. And it's, yeah, it's opened up for him. Thanks for reminding me about the prediction there. Appreciate I, that much. I good, was, isn't it? It is good. I was very impressed with him today. That's never yet. <laughs> I have to say. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what happened to Hubert Hercatch. It was It was like his evil twin showed up today it it really was i was thinking I, I mean i picked you for her catch in the in the newsletter predictions today having seen his stats for the tournament and and thinking this is a guy that flies under the radar that nobody's talking about and mm. he's the one in four i was thinking of andy roddick you know he'll take he'll take form over what is it form over experience yes so i'm thinking he's the one in form casper reed's form's been a bit ropey First, first game of the match, broken. <laughs> who was really who on earth am I watching this? here? Second service game, broken. And then he had a row with and, somebody. And then, and, then, and then midway through the set, he starts getting eggy with the umpire. He had the supervisor out at the end of the set. Who is this guy? I mean, I, I sort of think I... You know that you, you warmed to that him. Didn't it you? sounds to me like a Hubert Hercatch you could get on board with. <laughs> I was going to say that prediction should be null and void because it might not even have been Hubert Hercatch out there today. We, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. But anyway, Casper Reed sort of just imagine if he did send a twin out. <laughs> Serenely blasted could, his way through. Do you think you could get away with that? Do you think you could, act, if you were identical with a twin, could you get away with it? Prestige style. You've never seen that film, have you, David? You just looked away from me. Like we'll move on from that. <laughs> Is I've that heard, the one with the magician or something? Yeah. I, I haven't seen it. I've heard Rami Malik. He's got a twin. An he does have a twin. twin and mm. they sat each other's exams, I think. I think he's oh, spoken about that before. My brother was in school with uh, a pair of German twins called Keith and Carsten, and they used to do that. Just imagine if, you know, let's, let's think about this. Um, Herbert. Herbert and Hubert. Herbert Hercatch. Had gone out instead. Honestly, imagine when he was when he was sat there, sort of six two down, having his serve smashed to smithereens, demanding to see the supervisor. I was like, "This guy, this is not what I put my money on. My imaginary money." I felt I felt very let down. Anyway, maybe he behaved like that because Catherine backed him. Maybe Casper that sort Reed, of influenced. You know, personality was very wise. very good. Well done, Casper. Let's talk about Holger Rune, the man that Kasper Ruud will face in the all-Nordic French Open quarterfinal because Holger Rune beat Stefanos Tsitsipas today in four sets on Philippe Chatrier. He's playing his first ever senior Roland Garros, is Holger Rune. He was the junior champion here in 2019. Interestingly, Leila Fernandez was the girls' junior champion in 2019, so... I mean, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a nice little line, I, I isn't do it? Like, that I they're do both like doing that. so well here. I but... love it when the juniors come through mm. together and suddenly, you know, here they are. Uh, he, 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 the biggest win of his career by far, he looked he looked very nervous and, and tight at the end. He secured a double break in that, in that fourth set and he needed that <laughs> double break, didn't he? It felt very predictable 
that the the first break was was squandered. He looked incredibly tight, but he took it. He took it at the second opportunity. He's clearly improved so much physically, his Holgerina, because he was famous for cramping. That's that's you know when when we saw him play Djokovic at the U.S. Open last year, and we were doing bits of research before that match what kept on coming up was cramping he's known for cramping and he cramped in that match didn't he even though it was only only three sets long albeit played in more challenging conditions than today's match he is he's come a long way in that time yeah I mean uh, and, and that's the first time I've seen him play live I, and I, I've I went out and watched the end of that match in in the press seats just to sort of it's great to get that kind of noise and the the sense of an upset brewing he's a he's a really good player his strokes are so solidly produced aren't they there doesn't feel like there's much to go wrong there I agree I I think he's better than I realized he was actually yeah. and um he He's always believed in himself. That's always been very, very obvious <laughs> from the little bits we've seen from him on the court, on social media. Um, but actually, that was the attitude that you need when you step onto court Philippe Chatrier against last year's finalist looking to cause the upset. You know, you, you have to believe in yourself first and foremost. And he does. And he took that onto court. And I felt like... Sitsipas never really got to grips with him in terms of how to play the match. And I thought Runa's backhand down the line was stunning. I thought his drop shots were excellent. And he he wasn't afraid to just go toe-to-toe with Sitsipas. He tagged him at one point, didn't he? He, he? he hit the ball at him at the net and hit him. And Sitsipas wasn't particularly happy about that. Um, Sitsipas was trying to push him from side to side but Runner would come up with these brilliant passing shots at times he 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 played a fantastic match and absolutely deserved to win it um and I thought Sitsipas by the end almost looked a bit resigned and dazed and a bit a bit dazed is a good word a bit a bit stunned at what had happened to him I, I really don't think he was expecting that from Runa today. He, he came to the press conference room straight off the court, did Sitsipas. He was announced in room two when Holger Runa was still doing his post-match interview on the court. It Whoa. was extraordinary. He came, you know, he still had Quite telling, beads man. of sweat dripping from his the tendrils of hair. Um, and it was, a, it was a fascinating press conference in lots of ways. First of all, to, to stay on Runa, Sitsipas was asked to dis- describe Bruno is, is a tennis player. <laughs> That's not an easy job when you've just been duffed he up said, by it, is it? He said, in his very sort of ponderous way as he does, he says, good backhand. He says, he's served really well, but he's no John Isner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for and, that he, and then there was a very long pause and he went, he's a grinder. Ooh. That's damning with faint praise, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? Just. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't enjoy losing. He didn't enjoy losing to someone with that style of play, I don't think, because he would, I think he would see his own style of play with all of that flair as somehow inherently superior. And I, and I get that. There are plenty of people in the sport that think it doesn't matter how many slams Roger Federer ends up with. He is just inherently superior because of the way that he plays tennis. And Sitsipas, he's not quite Roger Federer, but it's in that same vein, isn't it? Although 
Holger Rune's idol is Roger Federer. That was one of the most things he was most animated about in press today. But like the he didn't team. enjoy losing like- to Holger Rune, 19-year-old you know, obviously a style of play that he's not enamoured like, like with. like the football team who are said to play the game in the right way. Yes. And uh, and Sitsipas would view himself as somebody who plays the game in the right way. And actually, I think his his single-handed backing was exposed by mm. Holgeruna today because there were a couple of times he tries to take charge, Sitsipas. I, lo- I love him for it. He pounds that thing. But there's something inherently more secure about a two-handed backhand that's produced really well. Much as I hate to think that, that's the truth, really, for the most part. Occasionally, you might get a Vavrinka or a, or a Dominic team, and sometimes like a Lorenzo Massetti, who you're able to hit the thing so flat and hard that, that that still stands up. But for the majority, just that extra stability on that side, especially with a guy like Runa, who hits it so well, he, he was able to just win rallies toe-to-toe, which was, a, which was quite a, a shock. I've only really seen Alcaraz be able to do that to Sitsipas mm. before. It was strange, wasn't it? He was totally unable to impose his game or his personality on on the court today, Sitsipas. He was like a a shadow out there. You've got this completely imposing figure. You know, his his physique, his silhouette is physically very imposing, whereas Holgeruna's you know, relatively is not. And yet Sitsipas just sort of faded, faded into the background in that match, which is so, so bizarre to see from him. Exactly as you said, he looked pretty spaced out towards, towards the end. It was, you know, and he was, he was spaced out in press as well. It was, he was cramped into room two because he came in so quickly. They just had to put him in whatever room was available, lest they are, end up with a Dominic team Serena Williams situation and it's a joke there was <laughs> there was a bit of hoo-ha about you know there were lots of people standing at the back because it always happened so quickly and because it all happened so quickly and and there was a moment where the moderator actually sort of interrupted the press conference and said could we just get everybody everybody sitting down so we can shut the door properly and and Sitsipas interrupted and said I'm happy to answer all of their questions in a really sort of spacey way he said you know whatever i'll answer all the questions i'm happy to talk i mean he's been playing not very well really relatively speaking and i think maybe it's pretty difficult to just suddenly find your form like that he said he's feeling physically perfect he said couldn't be better physically he said he's been having some frustrations in practice and he says he's not been sort of emotionally able to deal with the frustrations. And he kept making references to a change in equipment that he's had since the French Open last year. And he kept on coming back to it and then saying, but that's not the reason. But then coming back saying, but, but I've had this change of equipment, oh, but it's not the reason. And then I'm thinking, surely someone's going to ask, what on earth this equipment is he talking about? Has he got a new jock strap? What's happening? <laughs> so step up. Matt Roberts. Hey, go on, Matt. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like it, did he? <laughs> <laughs> I just said, you know, you've mentioned this equipment change. Could you clarify what it is? And I'd been thinking maybe it was something to do with the elbow surgery that he had at the end of last season, start of this season. Maybe he's had to change racket or change strings or something for for his elbow. And he's, he, I mean, he cut me off, didn't he? I was, I was mid-sentence asking about it. He said, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, please. 
I won't I won't answer questions about so, that. So he will answer all the questions, but not Matt Roberts's mm. perfectly pertinent one. So then I uh, I thought, well, that's not Matt, a very satisfactory Matt was brilliant. Answer. Matt said to the he said, I don't want to answer that, and Matt said, Can I have another one then? <laughs> Go on, Matt. It was great. So then I asked him basically how it feels to lose to someone younger than him because that's that's been a bit of a theme he lost he's lost to Alcaraz a couple of times he's now lost to Runa here did, did he say can I ask the equipment one <laughs> <laughs> he did have a long pause before answering it and I thought oh my god I'm gonna get zero from two on my questions <laughs> but then actually he gave a really interesting answer didn't he and he did he said that yeah they're chasing me I'm chasing as well he's sort of you know he, as he's probably right to he kind of asserted himself as above them and having achieved more still um but he said they're hungry to beat me i'm hungry to beat them and the last words of his press conference in english anyway were i want payback which you know i i love hearing that i think that's a great line me too payback yeah yeah let's remember that it was it was an absolutely brilliant line just finally on stefanos sit to pass um does anybody feel, I'm not saying, you know, anybody feels, oh, he's not going to win a slam, it's not going to happen. But does anybody feel any less sure than they did 12 months ago yeah. that it was going to happen yeah. for him? Because of Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah. Yeah. And actually because agree. of Holger Unna as well. Because I didn't really, you know, Sitsipas has been the next in line for quite a while. Obviously Medvedev was as well. Medvedev's got over the line. To me, he he's still the next in line, and he has been for a long, long time, ever since he beat Federer that time at the Australian Open. But the way Alcaraz beat him at US Open, the way he's then gone and improved, I just think that that guy could end up blocking the way to everybody. And and actually, Holger Rune, I don't know how good he is yet, but he beat him fair and square today. He wants to be world number one. He said that. It was a pretty, um, it was one of those, you know, press conferences with a person that's clearly never been in a big press conference room like that before. You know, he was, it was perfectly fine, but he was, he seemed a little bit overawed by it all and was just sort of, you know, just wanted to get through it. But the the best answer was, you know, do you want to be world number one? He said, yes, I've, you know, I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not going to shy away from it. That is my, that is my goal in this sport. And I, I believe it's achievable. Well, we'll see. I mean, good in you know, a good for him that he's ambitious, um, but also better for him that he stepped up and did it mm. today. Yeah, very impressive, and an all Nordic quarterfinal in prospect. In prospect with Runa against Rude. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Let's get on to the women's draw, um, where I suppose no major shocks or surprises, but... Some interesting turns of events nonetheless. We have to, of course, start with Iga Sviantek and her match today against Zhang Qinwen, the 19-year-old Chinese player, and a match that we had really, really bigged up for for a number of reasons. You know, we, as brilliant as Iga Sviantek's been, I don't think any of us expected her to win this French Open without a wobble, at the very least, as much as we've all, you know, put her name on the trophy haven't we in in our predictions and I suppose in some ways that wobble came today but it's a question of what might have been isn't it I mean Matt leaned over to me when we were watching this and said I'm getting real Anissa Mukova vibes Um, and that was you know that was a, a match that was curtailed in its prime much like today's match was we had an absolutely scintillating opening set one by Zhang Jinwen, 7-6, on the tiebreak after saving five set points. It's amazing. I mean, I, I was commentating on that, and I felt really lightheaded and <laughs> not very well after it, to be honest, because it was an hour and a half long and thrilling, utterly exhilarating. But I, I, you often feel lightheaded after those sort of sets, but mainly because it was so high quality. You know, there were. it felt like all the big points were being won by winners, um, Zhang, I'd, I'd not seen Zhang play before properly, and I was blown away. I mean, she was taking everything that Schwantek had got and relishing that battle, relishing showing a bit like Alcaraz, really showing just how good she is, how 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 powerful she can hit the ball, and um, and was able to go toe to toe, side to side, up and down, and yes, she saved set points, and I'm sure Schwantek will be thinking, how did I let those go? But even so, it was mind blowing. It was kind of fascinating to see Sviontek in a set like that. You know, we have become so used to her winning sets easily. And, you know, even the tight set she played the other day against Danka Kovanic, it was, it was largely because Sviontek wasn't playing well that it got so close. Whereas today, I thought Sviontek was playing well in that first set. It was a really high-quality set from both players. And yet we saw a player in, in Zhang go with her. And that was what I found so fascinating about this set. And 
as you said, all the key moments, they seem to come up with winners. I felt like Zhang's drop shot was kind of a revelation. I've, I've, I think I've had a real sort of moment of realisation about the drop shot, that it's, that it's best deployed maybe by powerful players. I've always thought of a drop shot along with players who are, you know, crafty and play with touch, you know, uh, Agnieszka Radvanska type. But actually, I think what we're seeing with Alcaraz and what Jung did today is that it works really well as well. If you've got powerful ground strokes and you push someone back and back and back and then you can play the little drop shot. Mm. And she did that multiple times today to Sviantek and I just hadn't hadn't seen that. And for her to step up in the tiebreak and win it the way she did, oh, it was... Probably the best set of the tournament. I, I thought yeah, it was absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. And uh, yeah, kind of fascinating to see Sviantek pushed so much. And then Jung goes off at the, end of the, at the end of the first set for a medical timeout. She comes back with her right thigh very heavily strapped. And she's, you know, the first couple of games of the second set are fantastically awkward, aren't they? It it felt like an inevitable retirement at that stage. Then she rips the strapping off in in fairly dramatic fashion. And there's an instant improvement, isn't there? Um, She, she she still loses that set very one-sidedly, but the, the, the third set had interest, didn't it? It did have interest. Yes, Shiontek went to went to break up early on, but she couldn't quite secure that double break. That could was she? It. And and there was actually there were break back points to to bring things level for for Zhang, and it felt like it was only two or three points away, or maybe even one point from getting very very interesting. And Shiontek felt on edge still to me in that third set. She did not feel any stage like like that match was won. And I was fascinated trying to think about what was going on in the mind of Iga Shiontek. And I wondered, I wondered if there was part of her that for the sake of her confidence and belief, she didn't want to feel like she won that match because Jung got injured or because Jung dropped off. She wanted to feel like she won that match because of her tennis. And I think she did. In the end, we'll get on to to talk about Jung and what was what was hampering her in a minute. But just to to wrap up with Shriontek, I think I think she she did win it on the tennis in the end. And, and another another point, Matt, that that you made to me was her fitness is just incredible, isn't it? Her fitness is a, a feature of this streak that she's so impenetrable. Yeah, that's it. I mean, a lot of injuries are unfortunate or can't be helped you know like the Carolina Mukova one the other day where she twisted her ankle but also some injuries are down to conditioning and it it feels to me like Iga Sviantek is just absolute peak physical condition you know she's kind of played more matches than anyone because she keeps winning all the matches she's playing and yet never once have I been worried about her getting injured or not being physically up to it and I think you know, the game is obviously so good, the mind is strong, but also she, she's physically in great shape. And I think I think that helps her in in tournaments, you know, keep keep making deep runs. She doesn't fade as tournaments go on physically. Mm, it, was an imp- it was an important win for Igor Shvontek today. And in terms of Jun Chimwen, I mean, we will be seeing lots of her 
in the future. I'd have thought so. Lots and lots of her. I mean, she's she's the real deal as far and as I can tell. Seems to have wanted as well. Yeah. Yes, I think this was really the tournament where she's made a really big impact, actually. I, th- I think, you know, people who watch the tour week in, week out have known about her, have thought she's good, but she's she's made herself known to a sort of another category of people, I think, in this tournament. And she was a winner. She was a win over Svantec today, away from making herself, you know, known worldwide. I think, mm. you know, but one big result, and that would have happened for her. She had some really interesting things to say in press afterwards today. I mean, I'm, I, I can see her becoming one of my one of my favourite players in press conference. She's she, she's fascinating and kind of disarming and very charming and a weird mix of knowing and naive which is which is a very heady concoction and she talked about the leg injury she said yes she had a leg injury but she said actually the bigger issue was stomach cramps today she said yeah the leg was was tough but compared to the stomach it was easy easy that's what bothered me today I cannot play tennis my stomach was too much painful um, and then she, in not so many words, said that she had her period today, that it was the first day of her period. She always finds that difficult. Um, she said, I really wish I can be a man, that I don't have to suffer from this. Preach, Jung, <laughs> preach. Um, I was so delighted to see that she said that. I woke up this morning, I got my period yesterday, I woke up this morning with cramps so bad, I thought I'm not going to be able to get out of bed today. Today's today's a write-off, and I the, my first thought was there are eight female players playing today, and chances are two of them have probably got their periods today, and they might feel okay, but there's a good chance they don't. And it, you don't have to have specifically have debilitating cramps to to just not feel yourself to just. Mm-hmm to just feel like a slightly weird version of yourself. And this is a game of the finest, finest margins at the absolute elite level. And to, to feel like a weird version of yourself is, you know, completely debilitating. And it should be talked about. It should be completely normal. We should hear it every day from players coming through press conference rooms saying saying, I have my period and I really wish I didn't. It's really unfortunate. And there should be absolutely no fear of anybody thinking, oh, that's an excuse. Or, I don't know, any any, any number of the responses that that you know there would be, that, that there predictably would be, and that maybe feel like, make women feel like they can't, they can't explain what was going on. And I just final thing on that, which is, you know, this has been a this has been a women's tournament with full of upsets, you know. Matt Stat has proved that on you know, um that three only three of the top ten seeds made it through to round number three, and that's only happened once once in the open era at any other slam. And Yes, it's been particularly exaggerated at this tournament for a number of different reasons. But when people sort of talk about upsets in women's tennis and reflexively, you know, speculate about what the reasons for that might be, 
nobody ever thinks that it might be because a third of the time or a quarter of the time these women are, you know, they've got their period and they're having a really crappy time most probably. And that is some, you know, that... You know, I'd never thought about that. And... Embarrassed to think that I haven't thought about that before. I mean, I, my my first reaction to Jung is hallelujah, uh, and 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 how great that she just that we have a young woman who comes in mm. and is able to to do that and and say that. Um, but but yeah, I, I had not thought about that, and you are absolutely right. Mm. Yeah, if men had periods, the world would stop for them. I'm telling you. <laughs> Honestly, there'd be... I mean, they've just introduced um, menstrual leave in... Well, a number of countries have it already, haven't they? But Spain have just introduced menstrual leave, haven't they? Anyway, we digress. Fantastic. Well done, Zhang Chinwen. That stuff matters. Mm. And uh, hopefully hopefully it'll be commonplace in in the near future. But it's not right now. And uh, and it ought to be. So fingers crossed for the future. Iga Shvantec in her quarterfinal will face Jessica Pegula, who um, who went the hard way, didn't she, against Irina Camelia Begu? She's had she's had a, a journey, hasn't she? This French Open, Jessica Pegula. She's yeah, she's good fun to follow. Oh, always abs- good value. Yeah, really is, and I think her previous drama this tournament had had come when she'd been in the lead and let it slip, whereas. Today, she had to fight back. You know, she lost that first set to Arena Camila Begu today. And that meant she'd lost her last five sets to Begu. You know, she'd lost their previous two matches in straight sets. She's a set down. And you're thinking, oh, you know, it's this is just one it's of those... never op- going to happen. It's just one of those opponents who she doesn't like playing. And yet she figured it out. And there was a... There was a break point in the second set, which really turned the whole momentum of the match where Pagula was defending and defending and defending. And, you know, that's not something that is necessarily her plan A. And yet she was doing it. She was hanging in the point. Suddenly she managed to hit a winner, won the game and then played really, really well uh, for the second half of that match. And and I think it's easy to forget just how far Pagula's come, really, in the last couple of years. She she would not have been a player that I would have thought would be reaching consecutive Grand Slam quarterfinals, as she has done to start this year now. She's reliable. I like that. You should be picking her every time, David. Reliable is... Reliable is what you need. Yeah, I could do with a bit of that. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I'm just looking at her her head-to-head with with Iga Svantec, and it's it's one win apiece. And the one win for Jessica Pagula came in Washington 2019, of course, when Pagula was en route to that winning that title. And that was when I first became aware of her. In my mind, that was like 2016 or something. When you were just saying that, it's easy to forget how far she's come in a short space of time, I had expanded that space of time <laughs> in in my brain. I've really readjusted my expectations of Jessica Pagula very, very quickly. And that's that's a tribute to her, I suppose. But it is... No, I think it is. I would never have thought that she'd be in this company this often. Never. It's not a great matchup for her, though, with Shrontek. As much as you know, she got that win in 2019, she lost her in Miami... Um, earlier this year, which of course everyone has been doing, <laughs> um, 
but it just doesn't feel like a great matchup. No. I, I feel like she, her game feeds Sviantek's mm. game in a similar way to the, how, the way it would have fed Barty's game because she she's a, a ball machine, she, but she's powerfully striking the ball in straight lines up the up the line there, up the line there, cross court, but like an arrow, and then she just gets pulled off the court by these flighted, looped, shaped balls at angles. I remember when Sviontek won Miami, uh, the WTA tweeted something like, and she's not even got on the clay yet. And Pagula tweeted, God help us all. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) We end up using all sorts of really unsexy adjectives, don't we, for Pagula? Reliable, consistent. Mm. It's really damning with faint praise, but we mean it well. Especially after you've gone one and seven, and like I have in predictions. Honestly, reliable and consistent is what David dreams of. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the other quarterfinal that was set up today? It's an all-Russian quarterfinal between Veronika Kudamatova, who beat Madison Keys today, and Daria Kazakina, who once again demolished her opponent, this time Camilla Georgi Kazakina. I mean, in in lots of ways, is the form player of this tournament. I know yeah. she's not been tested at the highest level, but my goodness me, she's she's eating her opponents for breakfast. And I don't associate her style of game with those sorts of score lines because she can't blast a player off the court, no. can she? So to be so to be winning two and one as she's been consistently doing with that style of play. I find pretty breathtaking. Well, we really. watched the first set here at the flat, and uh, and she won it six two, and she hit seven winners, and Camilla Georgie hit fifteen. <laughs> so, so, you know, you can only imagine what the unforced errors look like. Um, but she's in total control of what she is doing. It doesn't matter how hard you hit the ball at her; she has answers for it, and it's she doesn't have the the ferocity of shot that Svantec has, but she poses similar problems to opponents just just without the zip on the ball. She hasn't lost more than three games in any set and only Dinara Safina, Serena Williams and Mary Pierce have dropped fewer games to reach the French Open quarterfinals since 2000. She's actually bettering Sviontek's run in 2020 when Sviontek thrashed everyone in that tournament. Um, and this is not Mastat. No, this isn't. Oh, my word. This isn't. Um, and I oh, think... I know what the stat is today. It's really good. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, there always are, but it, it really is good. I think some people would have seen this coming from Kasatkina. I think I think she did feature in quite a lot of people's predictions, getting to the quarterfinal. I must say, I think I overlooked her because I viewed that Rome semi-final she had against Sons Jabur through such a Jabur lens, you know. And I was thinking, oh wow, Jabur managed to come back and win this match when she really shouldn't have won it. But actually, that was a sign that Kasatkina was playing really well. She was beating Ons Jabur, one of the form players, pretty handily in that match, you know, in the in that third set, and probably should have won it. And she's carried that form here. And, okay, I think she's had quite a kind draw. She hasn't faced anyone amazing. I would maybe have expected her to win all the matches she's played so far. 
but she's navigated it way more efficiently and easily than I would have thought. And yeah, she's beaten big hitters in uh, Shelby Rogers, Camilla Georgie, and you sort of think maybe she would get knocked off the court by them, but she's got a tricky enough game that she can tie them up in knots. And I expected to beat Veronica Kudamatova, frankly. I mean, Kudamatova did well today to beat beat Madison Keys. She's got no real weakness, has she, Kudamatova? She's an incredibly... Solid player. There's something very neat and tidy about her style yeah. of play. But yeah, I expect I expect Kazakina to have too many tools in that matchup. Same. Mm. Yeah, full house. I think Kazakina. Should we talk about tomorrow's order of play? Because it has caused a little bit of conversation. Sure. <laughs> Uh, this is how day 10 at Roland Garros is going to play out. Well, no, I'm not going to tell you how it's going to play out, but I'm going to tell you how the schedule is looking. We start at midday with Martina Trevisan against Leila Fernandez, the all-lefty quarterfinal. Then it's Coco Goff against Sloane Stevens, And then, once the women are out of the way, the men take centre stage. I'm looking forward to those women's matches, big Me time. Me too. In the afternoon session, third on Chatrier in the day, Alexander Zverev against Carlos Alcaraz, a repeat, of course, of the Madrid final. And then in the night session, not before 8.45, after the DJ has finished his set, Novak Djokovic against Rafael Nadal. Thoughts and feelings? Well, in the end, they they released the news that and they released this very early today, didn't they? They wanted to get ahead of it and get that order of play out there and to let people know that everybody in France would be able to watch it because the Amazon Prime Video were going to make it available without subscription uh, and in, without registration even, I think, in order to to see it nationally. And because the, the whole thing was, if it was in the afternoon, it would be on network tv you know to uh, france television which is terrestrial tv if it was in the evening session amazon prime video have the rights to that and therefore in theory it would be a much much smaller audience and much more difficult for people to get to but prime have said listen if you give it to us or and they've said they've said they've given it to them but they've said we'll open it up to everybody so that kind of sorted out the tv element of it nadal as we know had been adamant i one afternoon Djokovic kind of said he didn't, didn't mind too much, but I mean, I think the, the, the theory is that it'll help him in the evening. Um, and Nadal hates this. How, how do we feel about the fact, you know, aside from who it favours, these guys have played a six-hour match before and that wasn't even on clay. This match is going to start at 9pm. Oh, the, the whole concept of the night sessions is flawed. The fact that... The best case scenario for these matches is that they finish in a final set tiebreak. That is the dream for any tennis match. Mm. And that can't happen this side of 1.30 a.m., which is ridiculous. Do you, do, you know, do, you know, do you know what match could have finished in a final set tiebreak and finished before 1.30 a.m.? Coco Goff, Sloane Stevens. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're right, but... Even then, it's still flawed because you know you you should you should be able to start at seven thirty and have two women's matches or one men's five set match. You know, or 
it's just I just really don't agree with any of it. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the night sessions. I'm not a fan of the way they're doing the night sessions, particularly starting so late. Um, in terms of the actual match, I do think this helps Djokovic. But, of course, Nadal can still win. You know, Nadal can beat Djokovic in conditions which don't favour him. Look at the 2020 Roland Garros final for evidence. You know, that was indoors. Yeah. It was cold. I think everyone was thinking that those conditions would favour Djokovic and Nadal played a phenomenal match. But I think he's going to have to try and find a level somewhere close to that tomorrow. Um, I would watch out for the Djokovic drop shot. That's been a very interesting feature of matches against Nadal in the past. I thought he put it away last year. I thought he overplayed it in 2020. So that will be interesting. Look, it's the 59th time they're facing off against each other. There are there are no secrets left, and I honestly I can't wait. You know, day night. I don't really mind where it I mean, is. You're going to have to wait because it's not going to start till 9 p.m. <laughs> I just love seeing them go up against each other. I, yeah, I think it is you know, a tr- it is a treat. I know I know there is grumpiness attached, but overall. We're pumped. Oh, I'm very glad they're playing each other. It's hugely exciting. How many How many of these are we going to get to watch? Who knows? This may be the last one for all we know. But uh, the one thing I would query when you say there's no secrets now, they know exactly what they're going to get. I trust Nadal to come up with game plans these days that I hadn't thought he was going to do. Mm. That Australian Open opened my eyes to that, the way he beat Medvedev and... He's going to have a plan. What is it? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Only he knows. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, I've been round and round in this in my head today. I, I had the instinctive feeling as well that night session, it massively favours Novak Djokovic. But then in my head, I've got an October French Open that Rafael Nadal won, beating Novak Djokovic in the final, crushing Novak Djokovic in the final. And then my then my mind goes on spin cycle again. And I just don't know. I, I do give the edge to Djokovic, but not by much. Not by much. Just going to whiz you very, very quickly through the long then schedule tomorrow because I'm very um, conscious that we've overlooked the doubles rather and we, and we will pay it some attention when we can. Rajiv Ram, Joe Salisbury, the top seeds, they're in uh, men's doubles quarterfinals tomorrow against Ivan Dodik and Austin Krychek. There's legends action. I was going to say, do you mean the long lens schedule? Because that's... Um, it's legends it's, heavy, isn't it? It's a lot of Martina Davin- Navratilova. Davenport Fernandez against Dulco and Sabatini. There's a there's a lot of generations happening there. Uh, Grosjean and Pierlene against Barami and Beneteau. Barami and Beneteau. <laughs> <laughs> Father and son. Um, and Chanda Rubin and Sondrine Testud against Daniela Hantikova and Martina Navratilova. Um, yeah, more men's doubles quarterfinals on Simon Mathieu. Granoya Zabayos against Wesley Kulhoff, Neil Skubski. Um, the women's doubles seem to be at both the quarterfinal stage and the third round stage, which is uh, interesting. And just one final note on the doubles, which is that the team of Coco Goff and Jessica Pagula are still standing. Uh, they face Lucy Hrdechka and Sanya Mirza 
tomorrow. Actual Sanya Mirza, who is still playing tennis. Uh, so there'll be an action on court. Simon Mathieu. So that's tomorrow. We probably need to get some sleep before then because I rather suspect it's going to be a late one and a good one as well. So make sure you join us for our debrief tennis podcast afterwards. We will have our mascots as always. David has Darwin. You're on a streak, David. Yeah, two out of two, Darwin. Forget the rest. I've got Carter. We were let down by um, the evil twin of Hubert Hercatch today, Carter. There's there's no accounting for evil twins, so uh, we'll take it on the chin. Herbie. Matt uh, Matt has the dearly departed Gerald the cat. Who did you have today, Matt? Total mind blank, but I know I've got points. Jessica Pagula. Oh, Yes. Reliable. Reliable, exactly. <laughs> uh, Billie Jean has Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our executive producers, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner. And Matt, we have shout outs. We do. We have Jordan in London. All right, Jordan. Hello, Jordan. No surname. Just Jordan. But I do have dog news. Could it, could it, could it be Jordan Pickford? <laughs> could be. You never know. Jordan has a corgi. Oh, is there a picture? No. Oh. But a name? Yep. Pabu? P-A-B-U? Oh, don't understand it, but I like it. Jordan says, more interesting than Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we like Jordan. He's very mysterious. I assume he could be a she. We, we, We like him very much. Yeah, cheers, Jordan. We also have Catherine Shaver in Toronto. Well, we like Catherine. C-K-Y-I. Tell me everything. A K and a Y. Wow, that is a very exotic Catherine. Yeah. I. It's the same church, not the same row. Nice. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. We're on opposite sides of the aisle, but we're in the same church. Exactly. I mean, I'm say, never in a church, but... Did you say Toronto? I did. I did. I like Toronto. I covered the tournament there. I do too. I've dangled off the CN Tower there. Oh, yes, you have. Mm. Let's have a look at the picture again. Sobbed, <laughs> sobbed all the way around. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Catherine. Cheers, Catherine. And lastly today, we have Robbie McCarthy and his partner, Natalie. And they are also in Canada. They're in Newfoundland. Oh. Like the dogs. Mm. I love a Newfoundland. Cheers, Robbie and Natalie. Cheers, Robbie and Natalie. Great, great, solid names. Like Robbie Ginepri and Natalie Tozier. And Natalie, our Airbnb host. Oh, yes. Correct. <laughs> lovely Natalie, the lovely host of our lovely Airbnb. Yeah. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you to all our shout-outs. Thank you, Natalie, our Airbnb host. We're having a lovely time. Thank you to Friends of the Tennis Podcast for allowing us to have a lovely time here in Paris and to bring you daily news of these very fun and interesting events at the 2022 French Open. We will be back tomorrow with what are pretty sure to be very fun and interesting events on day 10. We'll speak to you then. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 